host, Edward Russell, and this week I'm joined by my co-host, Jay Shabit, to discuss Virgin Atlantic and EasyJet in a very British affair. Enjoy. Airline Weekly Lounge, November 30th, 2023. Three, two, one. Hey, Jay, how are you doing this post-Thanksgiving week? Good. Ned. I did. did I did. Holiday? Thankfully, did not have fly. Uh, I did drive. But, um, you know, when I say thankfully, I think about it. We actually had a pretty good Thanksgiving. Things went pretty smooth in the U.S. There were that many flight cancellations. A lot of people traveled. It, it was you know, a, a good holiday for airlines. Yeah, that was good to see. A very, I mean, busiest uh, holiday ever for, I mean, busiest Thanksgiving uh, ever for the U.S. airlines. And uh, at the same time, yeah, not... Uh, uh, seem to be, op- as you suggested, operationally pretty sound. So, uh, yeah, knock on wood. Hopefully, we'll we'll get the same for the uh, the upcoming winter holidays here. So, uh, um, so Absolutely. far, so good on that front. So, we're talking here on Thursday, November 30th, and I'm just back from New York where I had the chance to talk to Virgin Atlantic CEO Shay Weiss after the airline's uh, sustainable aviation fuel demonstration flight. I called it a stunt, and he corrected me and that I was wrong. On Tuesday, <laughs> so that was that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna do an all British podcast uh, today. So uh, I I suggested that we do it in a British accent. Ned said that uh, the probably I think our listeners would leave us in mass uh, if we but, both uh, tried to to use very bad British accents today. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. Yeah, that's uh, I, uh, let's 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 stick to our our own American accents. But uh, but we are going to be talking about. Uh, the, uh, the British aviation scene. So, uh, Ned, what did, um, yeah, what did you learn about Virgin? In, well, uh, in first up, Virgin, uh, Weiss is very confident that Virgin is on track to deliver the pre-tax profit that they've been promising next year. Now, if, if you recall, you know, Jay and I were just discussing this, but Virgin lost a lot of money over about a billion dollars from 2020 to 2022 on an operating basis. And that is far more than the money that they made during the past uh, far. <laughs> yes, they lost far more than they made during the past decade. And and Jay summarized it well. Uh, you, How did you put it, Jay? They. Um... Oh, just in terms of their, their history. Yeah, I, I think what I was saying is that, you know, they have not a terribly strong record of profitability going back to, you know, you can go back to their very early days in the, in the, in the eighties. They, and I think what I said to you, Ned, is that uh, Virgin in a, in a good year for them makes a modest profit, uh, but typically they lose money. Um, that's kind of been historically. Right. And that's even with, even with big now investments did, from Singapore uh, airlines for many years and Delta airlines since what was it? 2014 that they took their 49% stake. So, you know, Virgin is is not a big profit maker in the industry by any stretch of the imagination. It, it really, it really isn't. Uh, they did, for the record, if you exclude special accounting items, um, they say that. And again, let's let's be clear here that Virgin Atlantic is not a publicly traded company. They do not publish quarterly financial statements, nor even for that matter uh semi-annual or i don't even think they do annual i think they just do a press release there may be they may they may have annual uh financial statements that you could look at but uh but in any case they um they did in their press release for 2022 they did say they earned a small operating profit excluding special items uh, the margin on that though uh was just two percent so um 
you know, and 2022 was, was, you know, that was kind of a strange year coming out of the pandemic. I don't want to hold them to the fire for, for that year in particular. But uh, yeah, if you go back, I think same thing in like 2019, see if I can pull up my notes here quickly, but uh, my uh, 2019, I believe they did also earn an operating profit, but a very yeah, modest net loss. You know, um, uh, yeah. 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 Net, net loss for sure. And um, so you can, uh, yeah. that's kind of, kind of been the pattern over time. And, you know, when Singapore Airlines bought them back, uh, whenever that was, it was like, I believe right before 9-11, I want to say late nineties, they, they thought they had this grand plan. Oh yeah, we can, by buying, you know, uh, 49% of Virgin Atlantic, we can have this great Heathrow access and, you know, Heathrow is going to be this, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a great place to be going forward. And uh, yeah, as it turns out, Singapore Airlines just lost a lot, a lot of money on that. They wound up selling it to Delta, as you said, uh, you know, more than a decade later for a fraction of the price. Now for Delta, I think it's worked out well. Um, Delta never really bought it. Uh, you know, I don't think they, they bought it as a financial investment. In fact, I know they didn't buy it as a financial investment. It was more strategic investment. And they, you know, their network benefits a lot by having... Uh, Virgin's flights, particularly into markets like New York, um, Delta just becomes a lot more right. Right, Virgin is able to by, feed you know Delta's being able to US network yeah. with with London nonstops from many gateways, whereas you know for Singapore Airlines, it never really did the same from Singapore. Just because Delta's got the US is such a large market. But um, aside, so so Weiss did comment briefly on the joint venture, uh, very positive about it, and it's it's with Delta, Air France, and KLM. I asked uh, his thoughts on, on SAS potentially joining the joint venture. He said he's um, hopeful that they will get they will they will do that. Of course, that's subject to first uh, court approval and then regulatory approval um, on Air France KLM investing in SAS. But back to Virgin's key business, you know, like like you said, they do a a lot of transatlantic flying. <laughs> Not surprisingly, Virgin Atlantic, and you know, he said. Demand this winter looks really good, especially for leisure and premium leisure travel. One of the things that, that we know, if you look at Dio, Virgin does a lot of sun flying during the winter, which is good because there are fewer people that want to go between you know, London and Boston or London and New York in the winter. And uh, corporate demand, he said, is only back to about corporate demand volume is only about to back to about 80% of 2019 levels. So, you know, they need to, to look at leisure markets. And, and he said, Bookings are very strong this winter. Now, for 2024, like I said, he's confident on a profit, but he said he's neutral on the outlook. You know, there's a lot of macro concerns. There's still questions about the global economy, even though those have been swirling now for almost two years. Conflict in, in Israel and in Ukraine are affecting, but he's still uh, still positive about that profit. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's all good info. And uh, yeah, interesting point about uh, the, you know, as... as the Caribbean markets and Florida, as European airlines go, Virgin is is not too not too seasonal. It's it's they've they've got um, you know of course all these European carriers do so much better in the summer than the winter. We're going to talk about that a little bit more when we get to EasyJet. But they um, in Virgin's case, they do have uh, all that Caribbean and Florida flying, which is very important to them, big part of their overall network. Um, that also they also have their holidays division, which I think does very well. Uh, so that that is helpful. Um, I think, you know, one on the other side of the coin, you know, one thing that's always hurt Virgin is that it just doesn't have a short haul network. So it just doesn't have it. 
uh, it really relies a lot on, you know, local nonstop traffic, uh, you know, people originating in London, going to New York or originating in London, going to Los Angeles or wherever. Now, I, I got the chance I think, to actually and, ask and them about that. Out, and yes, they are definitely, you know, reliant on the London local, tra- the, at least the UK local traveler. But, you know, Weiss said about 3000 passengers a day connect over Heathrow. And, and I, I backed into a number. They've got 8500 seats roughly so it's it's about a third of their traffic uh, is connecting give or take yeah and that's when you told me that earlier today uh ned uh, and by the way we should always say when we're talking it's thursday yes. morning right yeah thursday morning so november 30th uh yeah you told me that this morning ned and and uh, it actually surprised me a little bit i thought that number would have been a little lower um and i think what it is i think india has been a very good connecting market for them um taking us to india traffic over uh, London. That is a very competitive market, but it's also at the same time, it's a very capacity constrained market because, you know, the Gulf carriers aren't, uh, it's not an open skies agreement, you know, Gulf India. So there's uh, not as much capacity uh, between North America and India via the Gulf as there otherwise would be if you had open skies. So there, there's, I think, and remember, well with that. Remember I know too, Israel wasn't. Uh, yeah. Well, American United have made made amends and and partners in the in the Gulf. Uh, Delta has not, so Delta needs its feed over London, Amsterdam, Paris to access India right now. Yeah, yeah, and, and I wonder. Yeah, it's, I, I wonder how much. Uh, it'd be interesting to know how many Indian passengers Delta will send. Uh, you know, via London versus via Amsterdam or Paris. That's you know they all kind of in a sense compete against each other, but. But I think that's been a pretty good market for. Well, we know it's we know it can't be that bad because they're adding. Yes, new Bangalore market, comes online right? I mean, next that, year. That senses that they. Yeah, yeah. So that sense that they, you know, that, that's that's a sense that they're they're probably doing pretty well there and seeing more obviously see more potential there. Um, yeah, some of the middle. I think I think uh, Israel has been a good connecting U.S. Israel over London. I'd have to imagine a, like a Lagos, same thing, like very limited capacity between. Uh, you know, North America and and Africa, I think they do well in that. So, so yeah, I, I guess when you start to think about that way, the thirty percent figure on the connecting traffic that you mentioned, Ned, is probably it is perhaps not that surprising as you know as maybe I first reacted, but uh, but yeah, it's still you know, I still think the bread and butter. I think we know the bread and butter for Virgin is you know New York, London, New York, sunshine to Caribbean in the winter. Uh, you know, I'm sure LA is yes. a good market. For and that. he said, you know, they're suspending uh, so, Boston yeah, that's... because of the slow recovery in the tech sector, among reasons. Mm. And I asked what he's going to do yeah. with those planes. And he talked about, you know, more LA, more Miami. Those are good markets for them. So yeah, <laughs> like you said, LA sounds like it is a good market, even with the uh, rider strike and actor strike that are now over. So but um, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and see, yeah, I going back to, you know, the Delta lines, you, you can imagine, you know, just picture someone picture a, you know, an investment bank in New York, uh, Morgan Stanley, and they have to decide, you know, who are we going to fly to London? They're probably going, you know, <laughs> like thousands of employees going all day long, you know, London, New York, New York, London. I had a friend of mine used to call it the nylon market, <laughs> N-Y-L-O-N. And, you know, just constantly, I mean, it's, it's just like a, uh, you know, it's heavily, heavily trafficked market. And you can picture, you know, Delta walking into, uh, Morgan Stanley, you know, before the before 2013 or whatever it was when they when they did the Virgin deal and saying, hey, you want to do a contract with us? And Morgan Stanley's like, nah, well, you can't really give us as which what we needed, you know, for London. But but with Virgin, they can. So 
that makes Delta very competitive in that market. And New York is, yeah, just, just so New York London is just so big. Uh, London, by the way, is the, is the largest airline market right. in the world. If you And and what was it last week? IAG the... CEO Louis Gallego uh, hinted that the New York London market is IAG's most profitable route. So I would, I would, I would uh, not hesitate. I, I would be comfortable assuming that it's also a very profitable route for, for Virgin as well. For sure, for sure. That's that's got to be. Uh, I, I'd have to believe that's the number one profit center for them, um, in terms in terms of routes. We were we were playing a game. Speaking of that IAG uh, list, they their their little uh, their little mystery game they had of the top top most profitable markets for them. We were playing a game on LinkedIn. I think Brian Summers, our old colleague at Skift, posted something, and uh, we were all trying to guess the top ten. I think we we came up with. Uh, well, I think everybody knows New York is number one. Yes, this is IAG, yes. by the way. We're talking about. Uh, British Airways and Iberia, et cetera. Um, I think we came up with, they said Latin America was the number two market. I think Buenos Aires was what, what uh, the consensus was there. So, but we had a little, little fun fun doing that. Um, but now, but, but, but back to Virgin, the, other, the only other thing I was going to add about them is uh, interesting fleet choices. Um, I believe they have A350-900s. They're getting the 1,000, or they have A3 the 1,000, right? A330-900s. Okay, so no A350, just the 1000s. Just, yes. just the 1000s. Okay, and then they have the 787 9s, which has got to be a great aircraft for them. Um, and yeah, yeah interesting. Uh, I, I, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I, I wonder if they need all no. three. Yeah. For, for I mean, they've only got size. 40 to 50 planes, but, uh, but um, I, you know, I kind of, yeah, a, a streamlined yeah, fleet has say... never been Virgin Atlantic's um, <laughs> forte, for sure. I mean, in the past, they've. No, they've they've made a lot of yeah they've made a lot of bad fleet decisions historically. I and mean, if you looked at all the four engine aircraft that they had up until like relatively, that was a big problem of them, big problem for them well into the into the twenty tens. You know, having A three forties and and uh, and you wonder too like the A three fifty one thousand. They always have this instinct, and you you understand it. You know, we're at Heathrow. We have all these capacity constrictions here. It's so slot constrained. So we just got to buy the biggest aircraft. You know, we have these precious slots. So let's get the, you know, the biggest aircraft we can find, you know, 380s and the three uh, and the 350 1000s. But uh, yeah, you wonder if they really need it. Like, if they, could they just get by with, you know, maybe just seven, eight, seven, nines would no. be, would be some nines, some tens, know. you know, maybe. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But. Yeah, or you can upgrade to the ten for some train. You know, it doesn't have the greatest range, but you can oh, you yeah. can do the a lot. Ten of would be a, could be fantastic for like London JFK. I imagine so you get that extra lift, extra seats yeah, yeah, without yeah. the extra payload. Anyway, we digress. I want to one last thought on Virgin Atlantic. Um, you know, I spoke to Weiss after they did this uh, SAF demonstration flight, and sitting here in the U.S., it's uh, it felt like a stunt to me. He corrected me and said it wasn't a stunt. But looking into it, you know, he legitimately, Virgin is pushing the UK government to do something about sustainable aviation fuel. And I have to give him, you know, it's U.S. airlines have done the same. United did the exact same thing uh, two years ago with the flight from Chicago to D.C. when they were pushing the U.S. government for incentives to uh, develop the SAF industry. So you you really can't blame them for for doing it, though. In, In typical Virgin fashion, it was much more of a party than uh, than the United flight, but uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that's the Virgin brand for you. It's, uh, <laughs> did you? You didn't see? I, I did Mr. see Mr. Brands, and I didn't uh, didn't get a chance to chat with him, but he he was there. He was on stage. He uh, definitely joined uh, joined Weiss and and some of the government officials there in New York. 
Very cool. Yeah, I remember back in the 1990s when Virgin was trying to uh, block uh, the American British Airways. Uh, at the time, they were trying to do it. Was, it was, turned out that that joint venture was blocked twice by the DOT. Eventually, on the third third time was a charm for them, and they have a they have the, the JV going today. But uh, back when Branson was trying to block that in the 90s, he came and testified uh, before Congress. And I was a college student watching the time, and I. And I showed up at the at the hearings, and I got to get to meet him afterwards. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, he, um, yeah, we were. I was asking him questions about the about Heathrow and all that. But yeah, it's great that you got to uh, got to see him last Definitely. week. Or this With that, week. let's take a quick break, and we're going to stay in the UK and talk about EasyJet. So, Jay, EasyJet presented their, um, was it their full year or just their fiscal fourth quarter results? Uh, how, how did they do? Yeah, well, they have a weird fiscal year that runs through September. So it's like it goes October through through September. So that was, it was their annual results. Um, now, they had back in mid-October, they already disclosed their sort of, we'll call it calendar fourth quarter results, which, uh, or sorry, calendar third quarter results, the yeah. uh, the big summertime quarter, you know, July, August, September, which is, you know, it's their fourth quarter, but we'll we'll, we'll keep it simple and call it calendar third quarter. Um, so they already, dis- they already disclosed it. There's really nothing too new as far as numbers go, um, other than to say, you know, if you add it all up over the past four quarters, their annual their operating margin was a rather lack, lackluster 6%. Uh, you know, nothing, you know, Ryanair was, I think, 19%. Um, and I, someone pointed out, it's never, never fair to compare anybody to this Ryanair. This is true. So this is true. I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, we don't want to make the, <laughs> make the standards too high here, but 6% is, eh, it's, 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 it's not, you know, yeah, I, I gotta agree a, with you that. Even if it's not Ryanair, I mean, it could be, <laughs> yes, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair statement, right? And then the, but if you look at, um, you know, so why 6%, they had a great summer. So obviously they've got winter problems. And this is a story, you know, this is a kind of a theme that recurs in our in our podcast is uh, European carriers with with wintertime problems. Um, I, what did I call it? I used to call it like a, what a seasonal yes, yes. disorder or something like that. It's like, a, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it seems to afflict most European carriers. But just to put some numbers to that, so in the fourth quarter of uh, of last year, which is you know the start of their fiscal year, um, EasyJet actually had a negative eight percent operating margin. In the first quarter, this is all calendar calendar first quarter this year, January March, negative fifteen percent. So that's a lot uh, of red really is, for the yeah. winter. And this is and even an airline of, that's been pushing. Yeah, you know, that's, they're that's, like, that's... we're doing more some, like winter seasonal bases in Lisbon and Portugal and, and pushing into Southern Europe more. Yeah. Yep. And you can see why they're doing that, right? I mean, they uh, absolutely they, they kind of need to. Um, but uh, but no evidence of it working yet. Now they, um, you know, in the second quarter, they climb out. They did a positive 9%. And then they just have, you know, summertime, it's, it's, uh, it's gangbusters and it's positive 21% for the summer, um, which, you know, again, it's, uh, I don't want to compare to Ryanair, but <laughs> for the record, Ryanair 35%. So it's, uh, you know, but, but, but uh, we'll leave that, we'll leave Ryanair aside. Um, so that's, you know, kind of EasyJet's story. They've had, you know, they, I think they've definitely hit a home run with this EasyJet holidays division. They're doing really well with that. Um, but it's it a still a very, very small well. part of their business right now. Um, Even yeah. if it is doing well, it's yeah, okay. It's it's still small. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's still um, exactly it's 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 still small. Now they're they're growing it. I think they started out, you know, a lot of the uh, tourist source origin traffic is is at this point still UK. I think they're trying to you know get more out of France and Germany. They're kind of kind of building that up and in other markets. Uh, so you know that that may become a bigger bigger profit contributor over time, which will be be helpful. Uh, and they do, you know, they do have uh, a very good, um, yes. very good slot positions, uh, whether it be Gatwick or Milan, Malpensa, Amsterdam, Lisbon, recently, Amsterdam, exactly, which we know, you know, I know you've been covering this extensively now that Amsterdam is only becoming more and more constrained. So, so yeah, that that's all that is helpful, but it does, it does create a little bit of awkwardness in that, you know, you're, you have these uh, privileged positions at slot controlled airports where the whole idea is that, yeah, you can get yield premiums, you can charge higher revenues, but at the same time, you're trying to be a low cost carrier, prioritizing low cost. So they kind of have to make that, you know, trade off. Yes, we're going to operate at Gatwick. It's more expensive. So we can't really be low cost like Ryanair's low cost, but we'll make it up on the revenue side. So, but, but it's a little bit, you know, of a non-traditional low cost carrier in that sense. They're, they're definitely chasing more revenue. Um, right. No, for sure. So Did they talk anything about yeah. how? So you know, I mentioned it. Their their sort of seasonal bases and their pivot more towards Southern Europe uh, during their call. Did that Did that come up? Is that doing? I mean, you would think it would do well, but like you, we we just said, it's not producing the results that one would hope yet. Yeah, I mean, some of that is new. They have, uh, yeah, new new base, I believe, down in Spain. I forget off the top of my head which was is it Malaga. I can't remember, but yeah, they're doing some of that. They actually said that they're pushing for more flight rights to North Africa, which is also a market that tends to do relatively well in the off-peak. Although, I mean, those are, you know, a lot of that is summertime tourism too, but you get more, I would say, you know, kind of visiting friends and relatives traffic and whatnot. They recently got access to the very, very large um, Germany to Turkey market. So they seem to be excited about that. Um, And... uh, yeah, and I, but, but and you're right. I mean, they are they are trying to. They're definitely trying to address the seasonal issue. Um, but uh, and we'll see how they do this winter. Um, but uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, it's this. It's ultimately this is summer right, airlines. Right, right, exactly, and and that's I yeah. think why many people consider EasyJet a, a potential takeover target in Europe because of the seasonality that they have and and sort of their inability to produce these you know really strong full year results. I always thought it was like a if you think of like a world without foreign ownership airline foreign ownership restrictions. Imagine an airline like Sun Country, <laughs> you know, like Sun Country. It's Florida, Caribbean peaks in the first quarter, and then you, you send all your planes all, over to Europe for the summer. You know, exactly, wouldn't that be cool? Or like, uh, yeah. Now they actually Transavia, which is Air France's uh, low cost carrier, Air, Air France KLM. They, uh, you know, Transavia Dutch. They actually send a lot of their 737s over to Goal in Brazil in the because uh, they have a you know counter seasonal thing. So there there is some of that. The problem is is you know it's uh it's just the Brazilian peak season is just not that big. You know it's not uh, they they you know um it'd be it would just I I always thought it'd be interesting if there was an airline that in the U.S. where that needs a lot of capacity to Florida in the winter. That might do something with a European airline, but you know you never really see anything like that. I'm not sure why. 
but uh, may, maybe one day, <laughs> perhaps one day. One day. Yeah, there's, there's pesky foreign ownership <laughs> restrictions. Uh, I know a lot of people want those yeah, in place, fine. but that's for that's a story for another podcast for sure. What would, what would we call Easy Jet? We call Easy Country. <laughs> Sunjet. Or, I don't know. Sunjet. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Well, Jay, with <laughs> that, we're gonna take a wrap. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. You can always reach me at er at skift.com. You can reach Jay at js at skift.com. Jay, always a pleasure. Yeah, likewise, Ned. Okay, I would uh, say goodbye in a British accent, but I'll, I'll just stick to a uh, st- stick to a, 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 a typical see you later. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.